If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. We read Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment that you've all been waiting for, episode three of The Last Time I Read. Episode three. It is episode three. Uh, So here we are. Yeah, we made a season two. And uh, hopefully by the time you listen to this, uh, you know, you're going to be excited about all the things that we're doing in season two. But I'm here. It's Tate. I got CJ. I got Chris with me. And we're hoping in season uh, two that we'll get some guest hosts with us because we have some really funny friends that we would like to read books with us. And we actually so, invited some of them to come on uh-huh. the podcast previously. <laughs> but, yeah, then, and then but I Tate couldn't it. make it through the book. <laughs> oh, the book was so it's oh I got it. I'll read it. I have already promised that I'll read it after I watch the movie because it's supposed to help me. So it's Dune. Once, it's Dune. Once I, I read, Dune, once I watch the movie Dune, <laughs> I will read the book Dune, and then that'll be it. It'll be great. So Chris has got a gigantic brick of Dune guys, at his house. It it truly means a lot when it's a book that's 783 pages and it has three appendages, and then it also has a like a a gloss like a, a glossary at the back that helps you to understand certain words. Who knows that, what a gum jabber is without like <laughs> gum jabber? Gum jabber? Gum jabber, man. Said? We've all said it in three different ways. How am I supposed to know what how you gum say jabbar. it? I just I repeat what the movie did, and then the what? audiobook. In me and CJ, we did come to the conclusion that the movie actually made the book better. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, because it gave you like a world that you didn't have to paint in your own mind, you know? Yeah, Yeah, they just did a really good job. And they did a great job with it, yeah. It's like sometimes you like, sometimes you read a book and you watch the movie and you're like, hmm, it was better in my head. You know, I pictured something more interesting than this. Yeah. You guys did all right, but well, Drew asked me like board. Drew asked me like Not every other Dune. day if I've seen the movie, so <laughs> I, I need to, I need to see the movie because he saw you it in IMAX, it. and then mm. he saw it at home because his mm. father in law is a huge Dune you, fan. You should not see this movie in your house. Oh, you're you not going to see it in my house. I'm not paying ten dollars for this movie. I'm sorry, dude. No, it is, but it's like one things. of the best movies to come out in a while. Yes. Yeah, but there's other movies I want to watch. I want to watch King Richard, which comes out this weekend. No, uh, well, yeah, but, watch, but, but I'm gonna go King see King Richard's. Not I'll, like a, a theater movie. It's like yes. a really good movie that you I want to see. That, you take those words about Will Smith out of your mouth right now, and you <laughs> apologize. <laughs> Look, I Will love Smith. Will Smith. No, you don't. If you're telling me I gotta yes, watch I this do. movie on my small TV, you don't love Will Smith enough. But Nothing see, is blowing been, up. Yeah, I've been waiting for a good Will Smith movie for a while, man. It's true. I, I can. I'll give yeah. you that one, Chris. Here's the thing. I I have limited movie nights, and my list is Spider Man, No No Way Home, and King Richard. I, I Wait, don't have Spider Man beats Dune. Spider Man's not that thousand, good. Remember how many times I tried to read this book and not read this book? Yeah, but, but the, the movie's movie is so different. good. The movie is so yeah, different. Yeah, but it's not gonna be. It's not gonna be better than Spider Man. There's no way. Oh. oh, definitely. I mean, no okay. Way. I like There's I no like way. the Spider Man actor. I like all the actors in Spider Man. But that second movie was not that good, like, in my opinion. Dune I mean, is from like the last the time I read to the last time I watched a movie. Dune is like the quintessential like sci-fi movie. It's so good, so good. See, you see, that's where you're gonna lose me when you say quintessential. Yeah, it's the Harry that. Potter. It's, it's the Harry Potter him. of Star it's Wars. Not, it's it's not, the Harry Potter. <laughs> don't say Star Wars. Don't say Star Wars. It's the, it's the Harry Potter of sci-fi movies, man. He's saying all my trigger words. I don't. I don't Harry, know why. It's the, it's the Lord Voldemort's. Okay. <laughs> Say, do, you like, do you like Lord of the Rings? It's the, it's the bee's knees. Uh, what do you mean by that question? Do you like Lord of the Rings? <laughs> what a. Gr- <laughs> I, do you I, like? I mean, this? I, I. I need to know what you. I watched all the movies when they came out. I enjoyed them. But okay, so you enjoyed them, but you you're not like a you're not like a. Once every couple of years, go through them again. Oh, kind of guy. no. That's a three-hour movie. No. <laughs> they went through Mordor. He he got whatever. Gollum wanted the ring. They finally won. The trees threw rocks. I'm good. I don't, I, I don't like, know what I, happened. Do people I just, who follow the Lord of the Rings closely, do they have like a name? Like, you know how 
Like they yeah, have like, are they? Their, their name their names are seventy five percent of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is this is why. Okay, so all of us are in a Slack channel together. This is why I don't understand half of the random posts because they are entwined with like it's called geek chat, but it it really edges on the on the nerd more than on the geek. So mm, so so there's know. lots of man. You haven't you, have you haven't touched nerddom enough to to know that. You're, oh, I've, you're been like, around, I've been around nerddom enough to know what's nerdy and what's geeky. It's just like a really heavy uh, fascination with things that we know a lot of information about. Right. But CJ knows an unhealthy amount of, of information about Lord of the Rings. You do. And, I, well, and I'll tell, I'm going to tell the podcast now we're not reading any Lord of the Rings books. I'm no Stephen Colbert. That guy is like an encyclopedia about Dude, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's his that's best crazy. quality, actually. Well, now that we've digressed into movies, here's the other reason why we probably digressed into movies. This is probably going to be the shortest podcast about this book because everyone loved it so much as we read it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's it's going to be quick. Uh, it's unfortunate for this book that we read it when we did, but we'll talk about it here in a second. So, uh, besides Dune being the best movie you've seen this year, I'll I'll consider watching it in movie theater. I don't know when I would, but I'll consider it. I, I'm um, going to drive over there and watch it with you. Like, we'll be in the hours. theater by the time you get here. <laughs> Drive nine hours so we can go to the movie theater. See, yeah. I would, I, I even have the James Bond film above me wanting to watch Dune in the theater. Well, so, okay, that is totally valid. hundred. But I'm saying, but now, now the list grows from like one to like six, and I, there's only limited hours in the day or limited nights where I can get a babysitter to go to the movie theater. Yeah, with four Chris kids and I are going to see James Bond on Saturday. Because mm-hmm. we are cool guys. Mm, the cool guys. Anyway, uh, what's the best thing you've read since the last time we talked? Mm. Um, yeah. So I got Love Me Some Shea Serrano. If you're not a Shea Serrano fan and not know anything about him, Shea Serrano has written a couple of books. He wrote a book about movies and other things where he basically takes certain pieces of film and like does a cool like funny mashup with them. But he just released a book called Hip Hop and Other Things, where he basically just breaks down certain artists, things that they talk about in their raps. Like they did a whole chapter on like Jay-Z and like him dissing people, whether it was on purpose or it was or it wasn't on purpose. Um, oh. he did a whole chapter, he does a whole chapter on like 50 Cent. He talks about Missy Elliott, but like it's Does just, he it, does he talk to any of these rappers for the book? Um, he doesn't, but he, there's a really funny, he does some like really funny breakdowns where he talks about like the party eventuality flowchart of 50 cents. Um, it's your birthday. So Mm. like he does a flowchart where it says, is it your birthday? (laughs) Yes, it is my birthday. (laughs) Then we're gonna, you know, we're gonna sip a party like it's your birthday. Is it not your birthday? Then we don't care if it's not your birthday. So (laughs) that's good. He does like advice. Of like this is how you should react around Fifty Cent and things like that, but it's just really clever. He has a really clever writing style, and there's a lot of really good artwork in it as well. And he also has a really good podcast called No Skips too. So he is an overall really fun guy. So that's what I've been reading, and then I've also been trying to push through Dune. Dune has been good after watching the movie. So yeah. Okay. What about you, CJ? What you got? Uh, I dived back into some Orson Scott card. So I read mm. Ender's Game. I read oh, yeah. Speaker for the Dead. I read Shadow of the Hegemon. So these these this are all books. you that... in to how long it's been since we recorded a podcast. <laughs> well, I also go through books pretty quick, uh, depending on what I'm doing at work. That's true. So I, I ate through those books pretty quickly. Um, Ender's Game is definitely the standout of those. I, I'd already read it twice uh, in high school when I was 17 and 18. And uh, it's one of my favorite books. It's such a good book. Um, if you haven't read it, uh, it's about a boy who gets recruited by the Space Force, basically. Not really, but it, I, I don't remember what they're called. So Space Didn't Force. Did you make a movie too? They one. made a movie. Let's not talk it's, about that movie. It's not it's good. Terrible. I okay. keep dissing stuff. I hope that no one listens to this that is like in my <laughs> career field because <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna kick me out of projects 
<laughs> fortunately, only our wives listen. Uh, yeah, so, that's true. But, some friends, you know. Yeah, I'm sure somebody listens to it sometimes. Uh, that guy from Ecuador. Oh, yeah, there was a guy from Ecuador. Shout out to the guy from Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, this kid gets recruited. He's like a genius. Uh, he's been allowed to be the third child of his family. That's how uh, special his his parents are and his family genes okay. are. And so he gets to be like the third child genius of this family to, to be like in this commander training program uh, on board of a, a space ship or like a space station. Yeah. And it's, it's really good. There's just, there's like some really cool uh, dynamics, you know, of like having all these children in this one spot. There's like battle school where he's training up and, uh, showing how smart he is. There's some really cool philosophy. Uh, there's an alien race that you may or may not get to meet. Uh, it's it's really good. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It's not even if you don't like sci-fi, you'll enjoy this book. He's talking so you, to me, and yeah, our other. I'm talking to Tate. Well, don't take my I, word I for it. Don't take my word for it. Watch the movie first. Uh, I've read uh, the best thing I've read, which I recommended to these guys the other day is a book called the wisdom pyramid uh it is not a fiction book it is um you know uh we live in a world where there's a lot of information it's not one line in that book says uh we read enough in one day uh to like we we see enough words in one day to have read like a novel a day which is crazy to me mm. but we're intaking so much information uh so it's 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 like a riff on like the food pyramid like if you eat too much food or the wrong kind of food you are stunted in your growth. So uh, this is about if you just allow yourself to partake in everything that culture is shoving at you, whether it's in the news or on social media or whatever it is, then you're going to stunt your growth, uh, especially in a spiritual way. So it's, it's about ga gaining godly wisdom. So it's been really good. Uh, and it's caused me to like think twice about like those like, you know, you know, those quiet moments where you're like, you know what, I got nothing to do. And you just pick up your phone to scroll mm. or things like that. Like he's 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 talking about that a lot going. We are just so conditioned and so uh, trained to fill the empty spaces with endless amounts of knowledge. But that knowledge is not getting us anywhere. It's like snacking all the time when you're not hungry. Uh, it's not always good for you. So uh, that's the best thing I've read. Uh, it's by Brent, Brett, not Brent, Brett McCracken. So. Uh, yeah, if you want to learn how to be wise in a world where, um, you know, uh, everything is designed for you just to take on information and not retain the information, then that's a book for you. I'd suggest that one. I feel like Tate does not recommend things lightly. Like, if you get a Tate recommendation, you know it's going to be really good because he, does it, he doesn't, like, push anything very seldom or, like, very often. Uh, so if he says the same thing uh, two, three times and you're like, okay, I got, I got to do this because yeah, I, no, I've got I opinions. Mean, yeah. You, I you try not opinions, to like, but you don't yeah, yeah, really, yeah. you don't really push him. So I, I'm trying not to, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it so that when people hear it, they're like, oh yeah, I should, I should probably do that. You know, this is so. a, this is a slight jab at me. Cause I'm always giving, <laughs> this is a slight jab at Chris, <laughs> Chris, has like a pretty high intake of of media, and I like. But but in my defense, I will only watch something if I really enjoy it, and like how Tate has like one really solid recommend. I feel like most of my recommends are pretty solid, but of, of course I just I give so many that it's hard to to get into it. And and yeah. Chris enjoys so much. He he enjoys like quite a broad swath of things, like way That's more true. stuff than I enjoy. Yeah, I feel right. like I have like one night where I'm doing this and the other night I'm doing this and then that's about it. So, yeah. Anyway, that's where we are. So, uh, our book, like we said, if you listen to uh, the last episode was Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware. Uh, she is a mystery writer. So, one of the things about this book is um it's the third book we've read in this uh, season. And it's just unfortunate that it came in as third book because yeah. it is very similar in its construction as the very first book we read. And we liked yeah. the first book. So when we went into this book and there's so many similarities, which we'll point out here in a second, it was just really hard to go, okay, what payoff are you going to give me that's going to be better than 
you know, our friend Riley Sager's payoff at the yeah. end of Riley Sager's book. We really and needed was, like six months before it, we read this. And it was kind of an accident. Like I, I like randomly texted the guys, Hey, I'm listening to this. You don't have to listen to it. And then Tate's like, I'm listening to it. And then CJ's <laughs> like, I'm listening to it. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't have to listen to this. You don't. And we were already too far in. We're like, oh, I guess yeah. we're going to do this. And then we realized we made a terrible mistake. Yeah. We yeah, I felt like gob bluff. So that's where we are. So anyway, here's, here's uh, as we always start, I'll read you the synopsis of Turning the Key by Ruth Ware. It says, when she stumbles across the ad, she's looking for something completely, something else completely. But it seems too good an opportunity to miss. A live-in nanny post with a staggeringly generous pay. When Rowan Kane arrives at Heather Bray House, she's smitten by the luxurious smart home outfitted with all the modern conveniences by the beautiful Scottish Highlands and by this picture-perfect family. That's that's the quick synopsis of this book. So, yeah, we, we enter right in. Uh, it's, it's a book about a house, again, which was what yeah. uh, Home Before Dark was about. And yeah. uh, <laughs> and very quickly, uh, you learn that uh, it's also an unreliable narrator, which apparently we love. Uh, and also, <laughs> the house has something paranormal happening, maybe? I don't know. And wasn't there like a similar name, too? There was like... Turn uh, of the Key. What was the first one? Well, we no, went home before the, dark. Main, the girls. Oh, oh, oh. The uh, girls, yeah. The Persephone girls had Persephone or per- no, Penelope Persephone. or Petra. 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 Yes, there's two Petras. So in this, they oh, had a Petra that was there's a There's a Petra in Ender's Game. Oh, see, there you go. So maybe Petra was a really popular name like five, six years ago. I don't know when Ender's Game was written, though. It might be oh, way that. before that. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah. Not, not five years ago. <laughs> the movie came out five years ago. Maybe that's what influenced them. But yeah, so so yeah, we open with uh, so the book opens with us hearing letters from uh, Rowan Kane, who's in prison. Uh, she's waiting. Uh, she's in prison for a murder trial, and uh, we learn that it's about a murder of a child. So automatically, we know something happened in the house that was bad, and this woman that was the nanny. She went to jail and she just says, you know, my her old lawyer didn't believe her and she wants to tell you the whole story. So then she starts telling the story from the beginning of, you know, she found this ad. Uh, she wasn't looking for this job, but it, it was paying like 50,000 pounds for a live in nanny, which is like an astro- astronomical amount of money. What what did we say it was like 70, 70,000 dollars, something around yeah. that that price so she she's like i'm gonna do it so um you know she applies for the job and she gets an interview and she actually goes up to the house for an in-person interview uh she it turns out uh, this family has five four kids uh all girls three of them live in the house and one of them is a teenager that's at boarding school uh but she goes to the to the interview and she really impresses uh she's like really liked by the mother uh the mother's name is sandra and um she she just gets there the house is awesome uh and she learns really quickly when she gets to the house that the house is a smart house so it's a really old house that's been like retrofitted in parts and there is an app called happy and happy controls everything about the house he controls the front door he controls the lights controls the showers uh and you can speak to happy through your phone and all, all these sorts of things. So she's learning all these things about the house. Uh, it's kind of crazy. She's doing like an on, in-person interview. She meets the kids. Uh, they're a little bit aloof of her. Uh, and it just turns out like they've had a lot of housekeepers, but none of the housekeepers uh, have been able to stay. So there's like this folklore about Heather Ray house that it has some ghosts happening in it. Another nod to our last book. Mm-hmm. where there's something supernatural happening like sounds happening in the middle of the night and uh someone died there uh, a daughter died there just in the same way as home before dark i'm gonna talk about home before dark a lot but <laughs> yeah so so she's there she sleeps the night uh the interview goes really well and she finds like uh some disconcerting things while she's there like uh, a note from the old nanny saying don't come here a drawing from one of the kids and as she's leaving she's about to go into the car the eight-year-old hugs her and tells her, don't come here. The ghosts don't want you to come here. Um, so how are you feeling about the book at this point? I think this is the first like six chapters. What, what do we feel about the narrator? What do we feel about the tone of the book? 
I, I just am immediately annoyed with the narrator. <laughs> just so immediately. I mean, she, you know, it's the unreliable narrator thing. You're, she, the the author is kind of giving tells that that you know this person is not necessarily all that she is is selling, and the and the the you know the the character herself is is telling us like in a roundabout way like hey maybe i didn't like meet all the qualifications for this job mm-hmm. maybe i don't love kids like a ton you know yeah. you know like there there's just a lot of stuff about her that doesn't that she's saying yeah uh while she's interviewing for the job and she's being kind of fake and, right. and it doesn't really cause you to like her as a person. Mm-hmm. Nope. Which I think yep. is is kind of a. I honestly don't know that we needed an unreliable narrator narrator in this book. Like I I wanted I wish that I liked her. You know, like I I, I kind of now at at the end of it I kind of was like, man, I wish that I had liked her more throughout. Yeah, I I think I would agree with that. I feel like the payoff would have been. What what she determined to be the payoff yeah. would have been better if you liked her more. But you I didn't agree. like her, so what, what yeah, I think that first? was the, that was like a huge fallback because like I don't care about this character. I don't care about her as a human being because every every turn you're like you were a massive jerk. So why do I care that you're not being treated fairly? Like it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because there's aspects of it when she's babysitting the kids where she's talking about how she really doesn't like the kids that she's watching. And I'm like, yes. why are you a babysitter? If you're like getting this job to watch children and you hate watching children, that doesn't seem like a, a good thing. But yeah, the unreliableness starts really early. And and there's like clues about like, uh, is she really who she says she is? Is mm-hmm. she lying about things? Because, you know, she she was working at a daycare, but she got passed up for a uh, uh, promotion. Uh, and so anyway, so she goes and they, she's nervous. She really wants the job. She leaves. I think she lives in London and they're in Scotland. So I don't know how long that takes like an eight hour trip or whatever, which is weird. England is so tiny. I don't know why it takes so long to get across the freaking country, but that's, that's another thing altogether. Uh, so anyway, she ends up getting the job and she has to like, uh, send in like, uh, bank account details for her money to be deposited and the other thing she has to send in is her driver's license and she she mentions in these letters that she's writing to this new lawyer that she didn't end up sending her driver's license which is another clue that you're supposed to go why would you not send your driver's license either you're lying about being able to drive or you're lying about who you might be or or something about about your resume doesn't match up so anyway uh she ends up getting the job she moves uh, to this place. They really need her to show up like really soon because the parents are part of this huge architectural firm and there's like an architectural conference, which I don't know. Is that a real thing? I guess it is. I guess people have conferences for all their uh, um, professions. So anyway, they're needing to go away for like a week. So they need someone to stay with their kids. So she shows up and she gets like this huge manual of like oh how gosh. to you know take care of the kids how to run the house, how to speak to Happy, how to program Happy on her phone. And the mom like drops a bomb of like, okay, you're here. To, we're here with you tonight. And then we're leaving tomorrow for two weeks. Terrible which, parents. It's insane. Would you do that with your kids? No. <laughs> two weeks with like a stranger, basically. hundred percent a stranger. <laughs> yeah. Who's all you know about the stranger is the resume that she handed in. And the one night that she spent at your house where she yeah. was, you know, putting her best foot forward but they leave and they leave her with the kids um so um and that night the night before they leave bill ellencourt who is the dad who she suspected yeah old dirty (laughs) that's a good name she suspected like he might be the reason why all these um nannies have been leaving and her suspicions kind of come true because on that night, he's like trying to pour her drinks. He's trying to like um, come on to her and she's just disgusted. He's being, by yeah, all he's the getting really physically to close to her in some really gross ways, like making it to where she can't leave without like brushing by him. Yeah. Real, it's, real asshole. Yeah. Real, real, real creepy Bill type things, you know, old, old Bill. Okay. So 
she she gets out of that and she goes to bed. And on this very first night, she starts to hear things in the house. So we're back here with the paranormal activity. I think she hears like footsteps or something mm-hmm. um, in her in like her ceiling, but she can't figure out who, who who's walking. There's no one there. Um, and then she also is like taking uh, the dogs for a walk and she hears screaming on the baby monitor after she put the baby down for a nap, but you know, there's no one there. So, so all these weird, unreliable things start happening where she's like hearing things. And then when she goes to investigate those things, they're not as they seem like she heard screaming on the baby monitor, but no one was screaming on the baby monitor. So uh, this just starts a series of weird things that are happening. And as we, as, as we've said, like the, the eight year old, who's the oldest kid at the house at this point, she's just not, she's not a fan. She's very cold towards this new nanny she didn't want her to come she told her the ghost didn't want her to come so she seems like she's trying to figure out ways to get the nanny in trouble so yeah so anyway uh we move on um and she starts to lose uh locks on doors uh she doesn't know um where she's placed keys there's a guy that she met when she showed up his name is jack he's like the caretaker of the place he picked her up from the train station uh they drive a tesla because that's what you do when you live in the middle of nowhere scotland and you have a smart house and jack (laughs) takes care of the house he takes care of the dogs uh he's apparently good looking uh based on how she's talking about that and then there's also another housekeeper her name is jean mckenzie she's an old lady and she has like a lot of contempt for um Rowan like she's just like who is this lady that they've left with the kids that they don't know she just doesn't she just and doesn't give her a pass yeah she's kind of like a traditional old lady who you know is kind of expects more from whoever is going to be nannying the kids she obviously cares mm-hmm. about the right. kids and every time that she sees Rowan Rowan is is like kind of in a really heightened situation and is messing up uh, because the kids are being little snots, so right. she, she has no reason to like Rowan, and but also as the reader at that point, you're just kind of you just kind of don't like this woman for how much she doesn't like Rowan for, for these little yeah. mistakes that Rowan is making. Yeah, but you don't yeah, really like Rowan either, so yeah, <laughs> you don't I know really it's, mind. it's like it's like I feel like I I resonated more with Jean because I'm like you've been around these kids for longer. Uh, and you might have like a better sense of like what a better parent for these kids are as opposed to like Rowan because the parents aren't really good at what at their job. I mean, they left their kids with this stranger that they don't know. So it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. Um, Can we talk about how this is all a letter? Yes, I think I said it at the beginning. She's writing a letter to a new lawyer because she was convicted for this murder. And she says she didn't do it, and her public defender didn't believe her. So, okay. so she's trying to tell the story of how she ended up where she ended up. Because uh, in the British public at this point, she's like a well-known name. Everyone knows what happened. Uh, everyone knows uh, why she went to the house or thinks they know why she went to the house. And she's trying to set us all straight. British mm. people know everybody else's business. Mm. They up so in that, that business. Public, they be in the public eye. You know, that BBC. Uh, so anyway, the kids are going to school. So she like, you know, takes the kids to school every other day. And then she stays home with Petra, who's the baby, puts her down for naps and things like that. Uh, at one point, um, the kids, well, I don't know. I think, I don't know if it was the first day. I know the first day when her parents left, when the kids' parents left, like the kids just disappeared into the yard, into like the acres of the garden and she couldn't find them. And then Jean came and found the kids and said, oh, the kids have been locked out. Uh, someone locked the door and Rowan's like, I never locked the door. And she, and that's the unreliability part coming in. She's like, I didn't lock the door. I kept the door open. And Jean's like, well, the door is locked when I got here and the kids are outside freezing because it's Scotland. So it's cold 340 days out of 365. Um, but then another day uh, she decides, you know what? I'm going to be friends with the kids. So they go out in the garden together and she just asks them to show, show her like where their favorite places are. And they stumble upon this garden uh and the kids like uh it's it's got a gate it's locked but the kids like slip their hands through the gate and they uh open it up and they walk into the garden and they like walk around the gun garden look at the plants that are in there uh they're all labeled with latin names and uh she doesn't know what they are uh and then they leave the garden and she realizes later that it was a poison garden 
what a, um, what a terrible she like, seems like a really terrifying statue as well sorry go on chris no. i just like once again awful parents like not mentioning the most poisonous garden ever in the letter like you write yeah. and she's like and i mean it gets later on in the book but the mom's like i put it in the letter it was in there, and it's like it should have been on big bold letters. The front page that said, "Don't go." <laughs> yeah, in if you the have a two hundred and fifty page manual, put the highlights at the front end. Yes. Who do you expect yeah. to read? Yeah, I think she asked her if she read the whole thing. I'm like, of course she's going to say she read the whole thing. It's still two hundred and fifty pages. It's not going to retain any of that information. Yes. Yeah, you're paying her seventy five grand a year or whatever you know in pounds, yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. She she's gonna tell you she read it. So anyway, she realizes it's a poison garden. It's like it was there from a long time ago, and also realizes that the the eight year old is trying to get her in trouble. I think the eight year eight year old's name is Maddie. She's trying to get her in trouble because she really doesn't want her to be there. So when she like when mom calls at night, she tells mom, "Oh yeah, we walked in the poison garden," and mom like freaks out and. You know, that's the part that Chris is talking about where she's like, I put it in the book and she didn't put it in the book in, <laughs> oh in an important place. So uh, she also finds out that you the, went into uh, the poison garden after I specifically asked you not to <laughs> on page 197. It was Sorry, in there, I promise. A, that was a Michael Scott reference. You cheated on me. After <laughs> no, I specifically I asked you not to. <laughs> oh, that show's so good. Uh, but yeah, so and then we find out that the old owner of the house, he was the one that created the poison garden because he was like an herbologist who was researching poisons. And his daughter died from one of the poisons that were in the house, kind of like how uh, the daughter in Home Before Dark died from the Baneberries at oh Baneberry Hill. <laughs> Look at that similarity. And then also after his daughter died, he kind of went crazy. Kind of like the dad in Home Before Dark did after his daughter died. <laughs> anyway. Really so, poor so timing see, for this book. Yeah, <laughs> you can see how much we, we, we loved rereading the same book that we had just read. Uh, anyway. Uh, and also, um, Rowan is striking up a good friendship with Jack, who is the caretaker who's hot. Uh, she doesn't know much about him, but they're spending time together. He drives her into town. He drives the kids to school. He shows up without a shirt on a couple times, I think. You know, all, all the tropes <laughs> you know, that you would expect. Yeah. Oh, rugged uh, Jack. Yeah, old rugged Jack, yeah. Uh, and someone's like messing with the lights in the house every once in a while. And there's there's nights where she wakes up and there's like lights that are on in in like the living room and they're on really really bright and she knows that she turned them off so all these things are 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 happening music starts playing in the house just like in home before the uh, before dark where i am 16 going on 17 place so ridiculous yeah. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah and she she can't turn it off because Happy has locked her out of the system. And the only person that can lock you out of the system is the admin. So Jack has to show up and he has to fix all the settings and turn things off. Uh, but, you know, she's still wondering, like, who logged in to log her out. And Jack is also confused since, you know, the only admins are the two parents and they're out of town on their, you know, architectural uh, escapade or whatever it is. So, yeah. Uh, and then, you know, uh Maddie is still still trouble child. She's just not listening. She's not obeying. She spits at Rowan, and Rowan kind of has to bribe her with like chocolate or something to get her to go to school, uh, which is classic good nannying, if you ask me. You know, when you have to bribe a child to get them to do what you need them. To do. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that alone like made me lose so much respect for her <laughs> as a character. I was like, no, you you never never do that, please. Oh. Man, it's so crazy. We saw so, that anyway. we saw that in a line at uh, the airport. Alex and I we were on a we were on a flight. What and happened? The, I want to know. The parents the story. parents in front of us were bribing their their kid a lot, and it was so hard for me not to say anything. Alex is like, shut up, shut up, shut up. And I'm like trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to be like, do you see this? <laughs> you know me, just saying how, stuff I shouldn't say. How old say. was this kid that they were? Yeah, bribing? It, was like, it was like it was like twenty three. <laughs> the son that they're trying to get to go to college get out yeah get out. No, he, he was probably like three you know around oh, there yeah that's not the best it's not the best method of parenting uh 
just so you know, bribing bribing doesn't it doesn't go well for you. Sorry <laughs> anyway, if, if oh. you do that, guy in Ecuador. I'm, I apologize. <laughs> oh my gosh, we just lost them, guys. We lost our we lost our, our foreign audience. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah. So this happens, and then you know the house keeps doing weird things again. That night, uh, I think the doorbell rings. She goes to the door, and no one's at the door. There's a window that's open that wasn't open before. Uh, every night there's footsteps her. above her bed yeah. that she yeah. hears ba- basically she just doesn't ever sleep like right. something happens every night when she's trying to sleep and it's yeah. kind of causing the stress of every day to go up yeah i feel like i mean that was i think in terms of good writing i think that's a good like way to escalate uh the tension because you already have someone that you feel like is unreliable, and now they feel even more unreliable because they're just not—they're not resting. So they're mm-hmm. like, their nerves are frazzled all the time. So you're like, are you seeing? Are you feeling these things because you're tired? Or are you feeling these things because they're actually happening to you? You know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, and and Jack yeah. is always and Jack is kind of like her rock throughout this, right? Like every time that something crazy happens jack is is there to to pull her out and yeah, so she conti- she kind of continues to rely on jack more and more and she doesn't want to she wants to kind of uh she wants to kind of put a little bit of distance because she she can feel like attraction there and she doesn't mm-hmm. want to be the person who comes to the job and falls in love with the other person on the job and she doesn't want all of that mess to happen but it just kind of keeps continuing to happen. And, and the author is kind of building up a suspicion, you know, in these right. books that you're, you're, you have suspicion for everyone, mm-hmm. but the author is building a suspicion for Jack because he's the right. person who is closest by. And he also is the only person who can really control the house and the controls of the house. Uh, yeah. That isn't Rowan. Right. And remember, you know, we know from the very beginning of the book that a child died and someone was accused of murder. So, you know, if if we're going to try and believe that it's not her, there's got to be some other plausible. She's got to have some plausible deniability. So when she starts to talk about other people, you're like, oh, maybe it could be him. Maybe he's playing the nice guy because mm-hmm. he's going to do this thing. So it, it, it makes it a little bit interesting. So, yeah. And then um, so the older daughter. She comes back from boarding school. She comes back a day early. And man, if you thought the eight-year-old was a jerk, wait until you meet this 13 or 14-year-old. She is the absolute worst. Uh, You know, she is rude to uh, Rowan when she shows up. She's not listening to anything that Rowan says. She tells Rowan she's going to go to a sleepover at a friend's house. Uh, Rowan does an actual, actually good nanny thing and asks what the friend's name is and what the friend's parents' phone number is. Mm-hmm. And she gets all that stuff. Uh, so she, I mean, I feel good about her at this moment. Cause I'm like, I mean, what else? Absolutely. Um, but then, uh, she comes back home and she is like drunk off of her mind out of her mind not off of her mind and so rowan helps her to her room and she's like what is going on with this girl how she go to someone a friend's house with a parent and end up coming back drunk so then she calls the number that she has and it's not a mom that answers it's a guy named craig and craig uh cusses her out and so she realizes okay so this girl's been lying to me uh she's been here for a hot minute and she already lied to me and she snuck out of the house uh and Throughout this time, uh, in her room, in Rowan's room, there's been like a door that's been locked uh, that she's been trying to get into. And she finally decides with Jack to kind of like break it down to figure out, you know, what's in this door. Because she thinks that's where all the noises are coming from. So oh I don't remember. Do they use a key? I can't remember how they get in there. Yeah, she she uh, just assumes there's like a – she assumes there's a stairwell to an attic. and Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so Jack comes up and they – do something. I think they pull boards or, or something, to, and they they discover that there is in fact a stairwell to an attic. Yeah, yeah, and there's creepy things up there. It's like yeah, writing on the it's wall. It's the creepiest attic of all time. Yeah, writing on the wall. There's like glass dolls with heads that have fallen off. Our pets' heads are falling off. Yeah, uh, and it's there's... at this point that you're like, it's it's just so obvious who has been in the attic, you know, like it's so obvious that like 
that that like children have been in this attic to me at this point in the book. I don't know about you guys, but I'm just like, well, yeah, it feels that way because there's like candy wrappers up there. Okay, and then okay. there's like a tiny little window mm-hmm. that you know could maybe fit a tiny person. But also, they find like a dead bird up there, and it's it hasn't been dead for very long. So both her and uh, Jack go, oh, it's probably the bird that's been making the noise, like it's been trying to get out. And it broke its neck, and that's that's why that's why you've been hearing these noises. So, but yeah, when I read that part, I was like, it doesn't feel like that's a bird. It feels like someone's been going up there, but who knows who's been going up there? Yeah, and and there's there's two, and you know, in your mind, there's two little girls, or there's two girl, like you know, there's either the the older daughter or the eight year old daughter, who or jack you know so you're just going like okay so somebody has been in this attic mm-hmm. right but the but the main character i just feel like at this point is just not really entertaining this as a possibility and that is some of the like frustration for me with her is that i'm just i just feel like she's not coming to and maybe you could blame it on lack of sleep uh yeah. but it feels like she's not kind of coming to like the most simple explanations for like why things Mm -hmm. are happening. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, I agree. And, and also when we reveal more about the, more about, you know, the book uh, or more of the things we learn, it also like detaches you from like, why were you not coming with a simple explanation? You know, like all these things about these people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you should have at least connected this to this based on what you, what you know, based on the reason that you're here, but we'll get there in a second. Um, But yeah, so they, they find that they, uh, you know, find a doll's head. She cuts her hand on the doll's head and all this stuff. Uh, And so um, Rhiannon, the daughter, the 14 year old sleeps off her, uh, her drunkenness. And then I think she wants to leave to go somewhere else uh, with the same friend that she said she was going out with. And Rowan says, no, and uh, she, and Rhiannon's like, you're going to let me go. And Rowan's like, no, I'm not going to let you go. And I'm not going to let you go because I know this. And she drops the bomb about, I know that you weren't with your friend. You were with some guy named Craig. And I'm going to tell your parents. Uh, but then, um, first twist of the book, uh, Rhiannon's like, well, I know something about you that I'm going to tell my parents and it's going to get you fired. And we learn that Rowan's name is not actually Rowan. Her name is Rachel. And that she used uh, Rowan, who was her roommate, uh, uh, she used her resume and her work experience and references to get the nanny job because it was, you know, they did the same things, but Rowan, real Rowan, was better at her job and better liked by her bosses. So she was a better um, person to, in, to like, what's not interpret, to uh, as, assume their identity and to get that job. And... Rhiannon tells her she found this out by just, you know, looking on Facebook because Rowan was dumb enough to keep her Facebook profile public. And obviously when she showed up, she looked like a different person than who the Rowan on Facebook was, which if you're going to lie, lying 101 in, you know, in this day and age, (laughs) scrub your social media posts. Why would you be a dummy? (laughs) So anyway, uh, so anyway, uh, Rachel now, formerly Rowan, she knows, you know, she's got to, she's got to tell the truth. She's got to come clean because it's going to be found out. And it also tells us why she didn't want to, you know, send her driver's license in because it would have had the wrong name with the wrong, with, you know, the right picture. So they would have known that she wasn't the right person. Um, So anyway, uh, she knows she has to tell them the truth, but she like drinks a little bit because she's sad about it. I think she drinks like a couple glasses of wine. Jack comes over. I think he's not wearing a shirt again, probably. I don't know. Uh, and then he sees, he sees that the cut on her hand is infected. So he tells her, I've got all this first aid stuff in my apartment, which is, you know, across the way from the main house. Let's go over there. I'll fix your hand, uh, and make sure that you're okay. So, uh, they go over and they just start talking. And Jack is like, I think the reason the nannies all left is because Bill is sleazy. And, uh, she kind of, she's like, yeah, I can see that he tried to hit on me on the first night that I was here. And because of that revelation, I guess, you know, sparks fly between the two of them and they ended up, they end up uh, doing the sauce. Is that what we call it? Is it being sauce? Doing thing? the sauce. Doing the sauce. Doing the sauce. <laughs> yeah. So they do the sauce 
together. And I don't then like after that. that, I don't like that. That is that's not a no. Would you rather we would you rather we call it grossies? We call it grossies, guys. Doing the grossies, not doing the They're sauce. Doing the you know how every human has ever been made grossies. <laughs> not doing the sauce. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so so grossies are happening. Uh and then, you know, she leaves the flat in the middle of the night and she notices like this poison flower that had been in the house is now in Jack's Jack's house. And uh, she also notices like after they left the poison garden, uh, after she found out it was a poison garden, she had tied like string on the top of it so that the kids couldn't go back in. And she finds that string in Jack's house. So it adds to what CJ was talking about, about like, are do we trust Jack? Is he the guy? Or are these just some coincidences? So anyway, she uh, then leaves the flat and goes back to her house. And um, and she feels a breeze in her room. And she finds that, you know, the window was open in her room. And the window in the attic was uh, open. But she also sees a pile of her stuff in the attic and uh, someone's cell phone. And she charges up the cell phone um, and sees, uh, you know what, the cell phone actually works. And Rhiannon, you know, because she's crazy, she had already snuck out and comes back in and they confront each other and they argue and all that stuff. And uh, Rhiannon argues and admits, she she tells her why um, all the girls are being mean to the nannies, why they only want their parents to take care of them is because um, their dad is sleazy. So what Jack was talking about and what uh, Rowan slash Rachel experienced is the experience that they've had with the nanny. So, uh, yeah. They found out that the first nanny had been sleeping with their dad for a couple of years, and she set up like a camera and uh, managed to like bribe Holly to leave uh, for something like that. I don't, I don't remember. Do you remember how you felt about this part of the book? Uh, this was the this is when the book starts to get better, and you're you're really like you're enjoying Rowan more. You're you're like okay, finally there's some truth coming out with the girls. Um, yeah, it's 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 starting to feel a lot better. There's, uh, yeah, you you feel you really feel for them as a group, just that they had to deal with like this sleazy dad who, in in a lot of it, convinced the nanny to like run a you know run away with him, and mm-hmm. or or maybe the nanny was trying to convince him. I can't remember. Yeah, I think yeah, there was like some conversation about leaving his wife to be with the nanny. But finally the the you know, the levy breaks and you kind of get a little bit of the girl's actual motivation, you know, for yeah. for being as snotty mm-hmm. as they are. Yeah, and you can kind of excuse them for being mean if they were seeing like their dad like tear apart their family right in front of them, you know? Absolutely. So, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, so that happens. Uh, so then, she, so she they argue, and she tells her that, and then Rhiannon also says uh, that her she knows that her dad had another family and another child who he left before, and so that's this is the second twist of the book. Uh, which, how did you feel about this twist, Chris? I think you liked this twist. Yeah, I mean, for a book that you know is like a mystery book that's revealing like these big surprises. This one was a good one. I mean, it was probably the best one. And um, I mean, the whole like reveal about like, oh, that's not your real name. But the reveal of like, he is my dad was a pretty Mm. good twist. Yeah. Like, yeah, I did not see that coming. I didn't see it coming. I was like, oh, oh, I didn't see that coming. That was good. That was a. That was a pretty that was a pretty good little twist there. Unfortunately, it was probably the only good twist left. And I mean, <laughs> the end the end was an okay twist, which we'll get to. But like that one was like the best twist because it yeah, made all of that stuff with like, hey, uh, he's flirting with you because that's gross because he's your yep. dad. Like, uh, yeah, like that one. Yeah, was- and she's and she was telling the uh, oldest daughter when she's telling her like. Look, that would never like what you're worried about would never happen. I can't tell you why, but it would never, ever, ever <laughs> <Right>. happen. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, and now wow, you know, you're so confident, and yeah, and now we know. And also that 
puts together the idea at the front of the book where she's like, I wasn't looking for this job. Well, yeah, she wasn't. She was just Googling her dad to figure out what he was doing in life and trying to figure out where he was because she had just, I think she had just recently figured out that this guy was her dad or she'd known for a little while, but had never like met him. And as she was like putting him in Google, she found out that he was looking for a nanny and she was like, well, this is my opportunity. And she couldn't use her real name also because she thought he might be able to recognize who she was based on the name. So there's a couple of things that, that pay off when you get that twist. And I, I agree. I think it is the best twist. So yeah. So then she, we find out that she's her dad. Uh, so, and then in the writing of the, you know, the, the letter that she's writing to a lawyer, um, she, 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 spells out what happened that her bill left her mother when she was pregnant and uh so she grew up for her mother's approval but could never get it uh and the necklace that she had was the only gift that he ever sent her so she was also trying to like you know gain this approval and get this relationship with her dad so yeah and all these like tragic things so this is the other thing that i would say too cj is like if we had already liked her and this happened how would you have felt in the book you know what i mean Oh man. Yeah. It would have been so great. Like I would have, I like, I would have loved to have this book be me, like me liking her and her and me feeling like she's been wrongfully accused. And then uh, to have this big revelation and to have like that, you know, that big like payoff for her, like for, yeah. for that justification for her would have been so good. Yeah. I, I think I agree completely on that. So anyway, uh, so we're we're almost to the end of the book. So she she reveals that, and then she goes to after talking to Rihanna, and she goes to check on the kids, and uh, she finds like she finds um, what's her name? The five year old is in her bed, and then she looks over, and it looks like the eight year old's in her bed, but it's actually just a bunch of pillows. She's not actually in there. Uh, so she's walking around the house trying to find her, and she walks outside on the cobblestone, and there's just blood and a crumpled body uh and the eight-year-old is just laying there uh outside of rachel's window so when the police come to arrest her they think that they that rachel and maddie had some sort of fight because uh she fell out of rachel's window so uh that's the only way that she would have ended up outside of rachel's window is rachel would have pushed her uh and because she didn't like that happy had a camera in her house in her room and she had it covered up. There's no way to like prove that she wasn't there when Maddie fell out. So through the, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's what happened. So she's, so Rachel's like, I don't know how she fell. I, this is what happened. I showed up. She had already fallen and she was already dead and my window was open, but I don't know how this happened. I have no clue how this happened. I didn't do it. Uh, and we also find out that Jack has a secret that he's married with a wife and a two year old. So, he is kind of unreliable, but it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Like it just comes out in the investigation. So, uh, yeah. So then she Isn't ends he her related letter. to like the person who used to own well, the she, house. He has, yeah, he has the same last name as the person that used to own the house, which is another like little thing like that they red throw herring. in. Yeah, yeah. That's like, oh, okay. So maybe he's like jealous that someone else bought the house from under his family, and he's trying to get them back. But it turns out they're not related. It's like his secret is just that he's a sleazeball that's married and sleeping with nannies just like his bosses. So that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't even a good reveal either. I was like, that's no, just... it was terrible. Okay. Yeah. There's just, there's just a lot of stuff where you're, you, you don't feel good about it. You know, yeah. you, you need something to hold on to as like, this is a good thing that, yeah. you know, and there just isn't, it's all bad. Yeah. <laughs> It's all bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. So anyway, the Rachel's letter to this new lawyer ends by her, you know, begging him to take her case and see how she's innocent. And then um, the part, the end of the book uh, is other letters. So uh, we get another letter. So we find out that she actually never sent that letter. So it starts with a date and we found out she never sent that letter. And they're like renovating the prison that she was in or something. And someone finds that letter and a couple other letters in the cell. And that's how, you know, the book was made. Like someone found these letters and was like, Oh, these might be really important. So, uh, so we learned that Jean wrote her a letter and Jean wrote her a letter to apologize for being unfriendly. And, 
you know, she apologizes for, you know, not welcoming her, uh, but also tells her that she, she, she really, really loved the children and she wanted to protect the children. She also tells her that Sandra left Bill because Bill was a sleazeball and took the children. And then in that, uh, she says, uh, she's sending her a letter from Ellie, who's the five-year-old. Uh, and Ellie asked that no one else read this letter except for Rachel. So uh, Jean is just like, if there's anything in that letter that we need to know, please let us know because we don't know what's in that letter. And if it's important for us to find out and know, please let us know. So then anyway, um, we read the letter from Ellie. Uh, and the letter from Ellie tells us that uh, Maddie had been climbing into the attic through Rachel's window and using the cell phone to connect to control happy because it was her mom's old cell phone. So it's, it's uh, the admin, right? So she was, tr Maddie was trying to scare um, Rachel off, scare her away from being their nanny. And Ellie really liked uh, Rachel. So she was trying to stop Maddie from doing all the scaring. So they got in a fight that, that night as she was trying to climb out the window and Ellie ended up pushing uh, Maddie out the window and killing her sister by mistake. That's how it ends. That's literally the end of the book. That's how it ends. Yeah, it ends and like so that. and so you realize that okay, our main character was actually like a pretty good person and that she is reliable in in so many ways and that she she's even sacrificial in the and she has given up her life for her sister and she's not revealed like that her sister is actually the killer so she never sent in any letters she never you know basically she never ruins her sister's life and and that's actually like great but except for the whole part where i didn't like her for the whole book you know and <laughs> uh and also it's just sad for the little girl too who's like living with all this like guilt that yeah. never gets dealt with you know mm -hmm. i just can't imagine her living an actually good life you know like it's probably she probably didn't live a good life right she probably even no, just having that like carry around yeah Especially yeah if you're not telling anyone else yes you, one person yeah you have this huge secret that no one else knows about and you're a child carrying that like you think that she didn't like drug overdose at some point i don't know like that's what i would have done yeah yeah i mean uh, i'll get into this when i talk about what i didn't like about the book it's for me the ending yes i think the ending would have been better if one we liked rachel throughout the book and thought okay yeah this makes sense that this is the move that you would make you know saving her sister from um being like She'd probably be in the public eye for a little while yeah. for a five-year-old killing another five-year-old. So, uh, but there's just some like legal things that I'm like, doesn't, it doesn't make sense, but I'll get into them in a, in a, in a little bit. Chris, what, what was your feeling at the end of the book? I don't know. I feel like it was a waste. Like it was just, it was so anticlimactic yeah. and it wasn't, there was nothing about it that I was like, oh. That was that was a great ending. Like it was just <laughs> the end. Like there was no. It didn't feel like a payoff. Yeah, and you don't know what happened to her. Like you don't know where. Like right, did yeah. she did she go to another jail? Did they put her to like? Did she die? Like what? Right. Was she convicted? What happened? Yeah. Like what was her conviction? Yeah, it's true. And and again, it's also it, weird. it also came back to the fact of. I don't care because you were such a jerk through most of this book. <laughs> so I have no emotional tie to you at all. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's move into our uh, quick hits. So who was your favorite character and why? I feel like all of you have so many. Uh, the maid, like the maid. She was probably the best character because she was honest and truthful. And I feel like she was okay. That was my favorite character. I loved Jean. I think she had the right amount of contempt for yeah. Rachel Rowan nannies, and she had she was looking out for the kids. So she she yeah she was definitely my favorite character. She cared more about the, the kids than the parents did. Just leaving in a day, right? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, what I like the I like the littlest sister. You know, it was just the baby. 
Ellie or whatever. Sorry, the Not second to littlest sister. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, she was sweet, and she recognized that Rowan was like not a crappy person, and yeah, uh, you know, it's just it's just the sweetness of a kid that's that age, right? You can't like think they don't have the ability to think ill of somebody for that long, right? Like, yeah. so it, I just it just reminds me of my own kids, and I liked her for it. Who is your trash person of the book? Everyone. They're all terrible. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> all, they're all pretty bad. Even they're all terrible. Yeah. The I, only I, one I just heard free is the baby. Like Petra. That's true. <laughs> She's a baby. Innocent. Yeah, I, I just had to zero in on the on the dad because I mean leaving one family, trying to trying to like He's awful too. come on to Every nanny. It's just so bad. It's like blatantly bad. He's not even yeah. in the book for a very long time, but he is like the centerpiece of doo-doo in the whole book. Okay, yeah. did you guys imagine uh, Rebecca's ex-husband from Ted Lasso as him? Was that? Yeah, I did, picture? actually. That's so funny. <laughs> a, little, a little bit more fat, but I was like, yeah, yeah, that's a sleazy British man right there. <laughs> Rupert. Rupert. <laughs> that's who it reminded me of. Uh, yeah. Do you have any a, a different trash person, CJ? Um, it's tough because like the main character is my trash person for like the whole <laughs> book until the end, right? I'm just mostly because I just am hearing her thoughts and I don't yeah. want to, and I like <laughs> and like every scene, it's just like I'm hearing too much of her thoughts, like how how she's not getting enough sleep, how you know like rehashing the same information. It's it's like uh. Honestly, my own thoughts, and I don't really want to hear those. So, <laughs> oh, I get, I get that, I get that, I see it. Uh, what about the biggest surprise for the book? Yeah, I, I mean, my, my, yeah, yeah. I think we have the same thing. You finish it. Finish your thought. The reveal that that was her dad. Yeah, the best reveal. That was the that was yeah. the best reveal. And I, I yeah, feel like I, that's that's where I'm at. The that. hard part about these books and these murder mysteries is that there's you have to have a really good payoff to match mm-hmm. the amount of buildup that there is. Right. Because I feel like you have so much buildup and you have so much buildup and you're just like, you're waiting for like the best payoff. And then it was just like, not what you wanted like the only like a great example for a good payoff was gone girl gone girl was an incredible payoff like it was awesome because all your readers know it's coming so it's like what how can you how can you like string them long enough and then give them something that even though they knew it was coming is still astonishing yeah you know there was there was not a good enough payoff in this book and that was one. Like I was like, I give me something else. Like that's a yeah. bummer that the sister pushed their sister off the side of the of the freaking roof. Like yeah, it just sucks. It just sucks, man. Like, yeah, it's it wasn't not a, a good, good payoff. payoff. <laughs> Nobody wants yeah. to know about the. You know, it's like <laughs> yes. it's like when my wife tells me about uh, true crime news, and I yeah. like, uh, and she's like, "Oh, did you know that this little girl has been missing for two weeks?" And I'm like no she's like well let me tell you about why they're missing and i'm like i don't want to know i was yeah. happy before you dropped this on me and now i gotta pray for somebody i don't know yeah it was like true. listening yeah, to cereal how... like when like cereal came out and you like you like oh, got yeah. really invested in cereal and you were like oh man there's gonna be something a big payoff at the end and there's no payoff and you're like uh, yeah it's like i well, listened to jail, this whole so. thing and nothing ha- nothing was resolved. He's still in jail. Oh. Oh. Cereal's nice. worth it. Sarah Koenig's yeah. voice is totally worth it. I mean, yeah, it's great. But again, it's like... You, you yeah, no, you're right. It. You're right. Totally. Um, What would you have done differently? I'll tell you mine real quick. Not read like... this book. Not read this book. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better than mine. I, 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 This is the legal part I was going to say. It's like, it makes no sense that she would take a rap for a five-year-old. Because a five-year-old would never have been connected, convicted for the crime. 
like yeah. that, I feel like that's just really, really dumb. Like because, I understand yeah, the, yeah. it's my half sister. I want to protect yeah. her. But you're not really, you're not doing anything other than like, it's not that much of a selfless act yeah. because she's five. So I, I, I don't, I didn't love that. Uh, and I wasn't connected enough with them together yeah. to go, Oh, this is really awesome for her to do this. You don't conceal. You don't feel. You know what happens when you do that? You keep your you keep your emotions inside, and then you release the ice storm at the wrong time. That's what happens. You don't you don't conceal. You're hurt. She lives with her grief for the rest of her life that she killed her sister, and then yeah. she then becomes the queen of Arendelle. So. <laughs> if it would have turned into Frozen, it would have been my Come favorite on. book that we read. Yeah. <laughs> oh man okay well we're (laughs) we're at the end we're at the end so i want your book bacons this has got to be shocking i want to see the twists here we haven't talked about this pre me asking this question so i'm really interested to find out how many book bacons everyone's giving it i'm gonna let you go on the spot first cj actually chris should go first oh two two no two two's good chris is gonna go last because he 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 gave us this book really two's all around because i gave it a two as well Okay. Which is yeah, which is yeah. That's the lowest book bacon's we've given it's anything. Too, man. Yeah, uh, Dune is pending. Read, read the other one. Read the read the first one we read, not this one. Read, yeah. Please don't read this book. Don't. We already told you to read this book in the last episode, but we apologize for that recommendation. Oh my goodness! All right, well, that's the turn of the key by Ruth Ware. Uh, we might pick up another Ruth Ware book but it's got to come much higher recommended than this one. And yeah, Chris is off the hook. He was just reading it and we all decided to jump in on it. It's not my fault. It was your guy's fault. You should have never started this book. (laughs) It's Tate's fault. It's Tate's fault. (laughs) I don't know why it's my fault. I guess. But But uh, the next book that we're reading is a CJ classic by Jim Butcher, The Furies of Calderon, which is a fantasy novel. Uh, he convinced me to do it, and I did it. So we're going to talk about it once we're done reading it. And what oh, we need boy. from you, Chris was about to ask. Here's here's Chris's impassioned plea for our listeners. We need some recommends, guys. I need I need some recommends of books that you enjoy that you have read because we we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do something. I think that will really kind of change the game on our mm, podcast. Yeah. We're not going to reveal it, yeah. but we need some recommendations. Yeah, so send them our way. Uh, DM us, text us. Uh, wives tell us when we come home from work, and wait, we'll how are they supposed to get a hold of us on on a list? I mean, <laughs> if people are listening to our podcast, they Social know media, us guys. at this point. Yeah, but what if so, the guy from Ecuador media. wants to let us know? Well, if you want to let us know, and you're from Ecuador, you can comment on our uh, podcast page on Anchor.fm backslash The Last Time I Read. There's a comment section. You can also leave us a voice message, and we will get those. You can email us, too, at anchor.fm slash the last time I read. So find us oh, there. And find sorry us on if Instagram. you're a female from Ecuador. I just keep saying guy because it's, <laughs> it's easier. <laughs> so find us there. But yeah, next book, The Furies of Calderon by Jim Butcher. Uh, it is the first in the Codex Alera series, which is, I think, six books. And it is fascinating. So join us next time, and we will talk about the Furies of Calderon. And we are very sorry that we talked about this book for an hour. But that's what you get from us. So, <laughs> peace out!